The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out many save games the dates? The first Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Tyson Stockton. Hey, what's going on? My name is Tyson Stockton from previsible.io. And in this episode, I have Bernard Wong with me, and we're going to be discussing just a little bit of the the volatility and chaos, really, that's been going on in SEO, where we've been through a crazy year. We're embarking on 2024, you know, so we thought it would just be be good to have a chat about some of the changes, some of the challenges that we're all facing within SEO, and a little bit of a glimpse into head and how we can help kind of advocate navigating this evolving landscape and changes that we have. So once again, joining me today is Bernard Wong. Bernard's the co-founder of ClearScope. ClearScope is the best-in-class SEO content optimization platform that drives search traffic. They're a fast-growing digital marketing SaaS company with over a 1,000 customers like Adobe, Deloitte, NVIDIA, Expedia, HubSpot, Shotify, and many more. Their text editor is easy to use, share, and teach. In addition to their first-in-class text editor, they provide AI-powered content reports and high-signal recommendations using real-time data from Google. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. So with that, welcome back to the podcast, Bernard. Tyson, thanks so much for having me. Like you mentioned, it's been a 
been a turbulent year for for search. I mean, we had was it four core updates, some helpful content updates. AI's been all over LinkedIn and all over the community boards. We got SGE rolling out, so it's been one of the more turbulent years, I would say. I mean, always in SEO, we're in an industry that's constantly evolving, so it's I think nothing new for us to operate in a shifting and a changing landscape. But this year, it felt like quite a bit more, uh, a little more than the the normal. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think that, you know, some of the unique like parts of what I think has been surfaced would be things like helpful content update version two and like the role of page quality raters. I think that's like a very interesting bucket that Google's all of a sudden become a lot more, you know, public and propaganda driven around. I think that there's a whole bucket of, you know, we call it maybe hidden gems, but, you know, the rise of user-generated content places like Reddit, Quora, different forums, and, you know, why that's happening and, you know, what Google is trying to do. And, you know, that's like one whole bucket. And then and they're all like correlated, of course, but <laughs> then there's the whole like, SGE, LLN component where, you know, as SEO content practitioners, what does that mean for traffic to our sites? What does that mean for optimizing for, you know, a block of text that shows up on the top of SERPs? And, you know, is that, is that trend here to stay? And, you know, what's go- how's Google going to monetize that is like, you know, one interesting bucket as well. So lots of, lots of change. And let's, let's dive into some of kind of like the UGC element, because I think that's an interesting one that at least I haven't heard quite as much talked about. Like obviously AI content's been all over. But I think it is interesting kind of Google's narrative and kind of how they've been vocalizing this and then with the helpful content and then seeing like the UGC and this Reddit kind of piece come up like UGC has always been a, a challenging landscape because you have these huge opportunities in scale, but then you also have these really challenging components of quality and you know it's like a it's a very high ceiling high risk space and i've worked with companies in the past and i've seen just it go horribly wrong and stuff indexed that should have never been indexed but then we see kind of this rise with like reddit so maybe if you can just you know shed a little light for the listeners on your perspective of how that space has been evolving over this last year yeah The sentiment's always been there, you know, amongst a lot of search practitioners in the sense that, you know, once you've been doing SEO for a while, you kind of develop to a degree, you know, this like mental model around how search works. And in a lot of ways, you end up potentially like disgruntled or disenfranchised or disillusioned by Google searches that you yourself end up performing because, you know, you can't help but think about the links or the, you know, content optimization or, you know, all these things that 
we do to get rankings and results pushed. And I think that the going trend amongst a lot of SEO practitioners that have been very deep in the weeds has been like a, oh yeah, you know, I start my search on Reddit or I append Reddit to like my my topic or I find the relevant subreddit and perform, you know, my research there. And so I feel like that sentiment has been around for, you know, I, I think the first that I heard of it was from like, you know, Nat Eliason. And that was maybe in like 2019, 2018. And he was just like, yeah, you know, if I'm doing product review searches, you know, I would want to go to buy it for life or, you know, r slash hiking or something like that to like, you know, figure out what's the right like hiking gear. So I think that that's, that sentiment has always been around. And I think what's unique about 2023 is that Google has like decided to very much so dial up the, the knob in terms of showcasing, you know, a lot more of that. And so that kind of begs the question that like, you know, why now? And also this other question of like, what does that mean for search and rankings and how we should then think about content moving forward in this new realm of like authenticity and, you know, knowledge. And I think that there's a lot of different directions that people are going, you know, on one side with the really black hat people. I think you have a lot of what you would call like parasite SEO, but, you know, just simply hacking in or, you know, doing some sort of like spam of sorts to, to create content and comments in these places where discussions are happening. And then, you know, you have on the like flip flip side, you know, like blockchain signatures, authenticity, you know, like legitimacy sort of happening where Facebook X, you know, they're all kind of trying to do things around there. And then you have this new world that we live in that you, we don't know if the content is created with you, like, you know, purely humans or purely AI or some combination. And it's sort of this weird tension that is happening everywhere. You know, social media platforms themselves are also suffering from, you know, scripted AI content like spam. And it's very hard to parse the signal from the noise now. And like something that I found, I don't know, interesting for me this year in that same vein was I feel like the conversations around SEO, they typically gravitate to either theoretical or tactical. And the tactical is like, to me, always like, yeah, it's like kind of that immediately helpful, like, great, I could use this like tomorrow in my workflow. But it's like some of those can be very short lived or it's like you run the risk of maybe something just not working or running out. And I think this year for me, it really highlighted a lot of this importance of the theoretical side and then being able to apply that to the tactics. And I think within the same vein of whether it's like UGC or content as whole, like when we spoke in did a podcast like earlier this year, I really liked the way that you kind of phrased or worded this notion of like, and I think the question was something along the lines of like, well, is AI content good or bad or something very generic in that regard? And your response to that was talking about like 
how well the content is addressing the known entities around the topic and then what net new is being added. And within AI content, yep, you're able to move quicker, you're able to move faster, but it's still addressing something that's already known within this. And so in this kind of piece within like a Reddit or UGC, I think there's that opportunity of something net new. But I really liked the way that you presented that to me was was nice because it was something that kind of brought it back to a theoretical sense of it's like, yeah, okay, Google doesn't like duplicate content because it's you're not adding anything net new to it. In the same way, you can't say AI content is just good or bad, but it's more of like, is that content addressing something net new? And I feel like from what you were just kind of saying of like, yeah, you have this black hat, you have like these other things. A lot of it comes back to this notion of like, well, how how are you addressing something net new, something adding something to the community that then can be rewarded from SEO? And if I'm looking ahead, like that's a big element or an area that I would kind of recommend to other SEOs is to be thinking not as much in the sense of just like day-to-day tactics, but more in that like core fundamentals of like, this is this is the goal or this is the objective that we're trying to show in SEO and knowing that, yeah, the tools, the AI tools and everything else is going to keep constantly evolving, but how well are we able to stay in front of that or to be adding something to the community? And I think this year, even though there's been like a ton, a ton of change, a lot of the core principles or the core fundamentals are still existing, but it's just in in a different form or a different landscape. And I think I've seen that kind of almost like that's the piece that for me coming out of 2023 still holds true is that like fundamental principles and then applying new technologies or new tactics to those principles. Yeah, absolutely. I think that to like circle back around to another one of those interesting themes that has been floating around with the antitrust (laughs) case that Google is undergoing with the United States, user engagement signal, right? Like for the longest time, people people would debate me on (laughs) whether Google was using, you know, click data user engagement signal to inform the SERPs because Google itself, you know, in the past was very heavy in propaganda that indicated that it did not. And, you know, there's obviously speculation as to why Google would want that stance. But I think generally it was just confusion. And it's not like a lot of people on Google at Google get to really see the whole picture, right? So somebody says, hey, like, let's just keep this under wraps. And here's the sentiment that we should have around it. And and that just sort of like, you know, propagated from there. But it's become clear that Google does indeed use user engagement, at least, you know, back to 2016, when the documents that were uncovered point the fact that, you know, Google's like, yeah, it's magic. We don't really know what's going on. You know, all this, all this stuff that they're like calling out. And essentially, I think that, you know, in a very high level way, you could see this going in like two directions as it relates to, you know, AI content. Number one is that because content kind of all looks 
the same-ish, or you know, in Google's eyes, like they don't really know. They can either lean towards authoritativeness, which I think is actually where they were going with a lot of like kind of updates recently. That's why I mean, big brands have always dominated, but that is why you saw the proliferation of like Forbes. Just ranking like everywhere, and you know it was sort of this like idea that you know people wanted big brands, and big brands themselves were more trustworthy. So you know we'll just amp that part up, and then sort of decrease this like user engagement signal component in the algorithm. I think you know in the last like three to six months. You know, I was kind of like on the fence about like the implications of AI content, and I think a lot of people were saying, "Oh, you know, this just means that links will be even more important because content is, in a large part, commoditized and you know a lot very undifferentiated." However, I actually think the reverse has happened, right? Where Google, I think, has dialed down. The importance of like brand authority and like links, and have cranked up the weighting on user-generated content. Or, you know, I think the speculation, at least Kevin Indig, had called this out, and I tend to agree with the hidden gems update. Is that you know hidden and gem, right? It's like it implies this thing where you know hidden meaning probably not that many backlinks. And gem implying high user engagement signal, and so it's interesting to like think about it in that way, which is why I think you're seeing a much more diverse set of like SERPs, and then I also think that you know that relates to helpful content update version two, where all of a sudden it felt like Google entered this era of subjectivity. Right where sites that didn't look good got penalized, and it's this like very different model that is sort of a whiplash from authority and links more towards this idea of like subjectivity, user experience, and I think in a lot of ways like user engagement signal. And I think that you know Reddit popping up everywhere. Chances are you know Google suppressed. The domain Reddit for for a while, and then you know now all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we'll give that more of a go. Maybe because they recognize that you know the more traffic they gave Reddit, the more pressure from a spam perspective that they were likely to observe or see. But I do think that the whole user engagement signal thing, if they were talking about it in 2016, they're probably talking even more about it now. And you know, really trying to figure out, you know, how do we take a no-name website and test it, and should it do well in SERPs, you know, give it all the traffic that it deserves because you know we've relied too heavily on brand and like you know links and like all of this stuff. So that's kind of my going thought is that like user engagement signal is, I think. Going to be used even more, and then you know, to your points around AI content, it doesn't matter if you're using it or not. It's just that you have to understand that ultimately, you know, Google 
is preferring to give websites who conclude search journeys as much traffic as makes sense. And AI content will shine for aspects of those queries and will likely hit you know, a brick wall with all kinds of other aspects of queries. So that's kind of how I see it playing out in the future. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. I like that you brought up the user engagement metrics. And my apologies to whoever posted this because I, yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. But I recently saw, and I just thought it was such a simple, nice illustration of this, of like the debate of how much is used and stuff. And I'm sure almost everyone's seen like, you post a new piece of content, typically what you're going to see is when Google first discovering it is you're going to see this kind of spotty, like where they're placing it. It's going to dip it into search. It's going to take it out. It's going to dip it back in. And it was basically the post was highlighting of like, yeah, of course, like they're testing the water, getting a read on what those signals are before they then have the confidence of where they think it should land. I mean, not like someone's like physically thinking this in the sense, but I thought it was such a nice illustration. It was just a screenshot of performance of a URL's content, seeing how it was like dipped in, had different placements, dipped out completely, came back in, and then eventually started to stabilize into like a more standard position. And I thought that was just such a nice, simple story of kind of like showcasing how that would be used. And I think like that kind of also relates to, you know, what you're saying about this. And I think regardless of these different facets, it's like we're going to keep seeing this theme. And I think like, too, we're going to see variances across query types and we're going to see this shifting kind of focus on whether or not it's more of quality of content, some legacy factors to it. Probably will be more playing around with like that authority of domains or even section of domains in it. But I think like that type of user engagement, it's a nice reminder too. And it kind of, even though it's been an area that's been debated a lot, 
it's a nice, again, reminder into like those fundamental principles of like, it's the quality of the experience when someone finds it, like they're finding what they're looking for. They're getting the information from those Reddit threads and we're seeing the performance kind of respond back to it. That's it. Yeah. It can be confusing. And, and I recognize why a lot of people do get kind of confused by it because I think what you're, what you're saying is what I've been kind of calling the SEO content lifecycle, right? And it's like technical SEO helps you get crawl, like helps Google understand you exist and understand what your content is about ultimately, right? And understands, you know, like if they were to serve your content, if it would load correctly and like have, you know, the right user experience. And for the large part, it's it's a lot of those are essentially like negative factors, not positive ones, right? In that if you thought of the like scoring algorithm and, you know, to get into the top 10 spots of Google, it's, you know, like whoever gets the highest score in terms of voting, like, you know, if you got a link from the New York Times, it's like, you know, plus 100 points. A lot of the technical stuff is like, you know, oh, slow page load speed, minus 50 points. Oh, like, you know, can't understand this like block or this, you know, can't render this like content display none type stuff. Like, okay, minus 10 points, you know, and it's like minus, minus, minus. And then you like go, okay, well, where do I get my, my pluses? And then like, you know, the pluses initially are going to be, you know, things like, topical authority or how well your domain as a whole is performing for the categories of topics that you want to rank for. It's also going to be, you know, links and longevity, right? How long has your domain been around? You know, what sorts of links are, are pointing to them and from what sites and how relevant are those like links? And then, you know, like obviously this is very simplistic, but then that graduates into like the the seeding or the sandbox, right? And the sandbox is then, okay, if we were to display this result at position three, is that better than when this result wasn't at position three? What about two? Okay, well, you know, what about 12, right? And that's that little, very like jagged, like, you know, a sample here, you know, a little sample down there. And then at some point it sticks. And when it sticks, And when I say sticks, I mean, it sticks to like the front page or the second page or the third page. So I like to say that if you're not on the front page, second page, sometimes the third page, really you're playing a topical authority or backlink game because Google has deemed for whatever reason that your site's just not authoritative enough to play in the top three pages, in which case building links will give Google more confidence to try you again or you know like optimizing your content and getting other content for relevant topics to to perform well will again make google take another look from there right if you're on the first second sometimes the third page again depends on how competitive the query is then you play the user engagement signal game and that game is all about you know What's your title tag? You know, what's the above the fold experience? Are you answering the searcher's intent, you know, very, very well? You know, what do your EEAT things look like that Google's quality raters are manually reviewing day in and day out? And it's, it's a different game. 
And I think a lot of people get confused because they're like, oh, well, I have some technical SEO problems. I need to go fix those. And it's like, well, if you're already on the front page of Google, you're not really playing the technical SEO game anymore. You know, you're playing another type of game. And so I think, you know, there, there is that to just to your point, I, I've thought about this deeply and it is very segmented into like these like three stages of like pre-indexed, indexed, but not in the top, you know, two pages. And then indexed in the top two pages is three distinctly different stages of SEO activities that you need to be concerning yourself with. Absolutely. And I, I feel like all of that's layering into this confusion or this like ambiguity that seems to be like increasing in the space. And for me, like if I look back at the year, like one of my favorite points, <laughs> it's going to sound like a weird one, was the index source code link. And I got in a few debates like with people about it. And even like Jordan and I were kind of going back and forth of like, has ah, this noise or like, is there any importance behind it? And to me, I thought it was great because it gave support and evidence to a lot of these pieces that we're talking about of how it's not it's not a one size fits all game. And then you're not just playing by the same metrics. And yeah, there's that equation of pluses and minuses that's adding up to your total score. But that equation is going to change, not just like what queries it is, but where you are. And it's all these other dynamic elements that you're not going to have a clear line of sight into which exact precise game am I playing? And it's like, you may never have that clear answer to that. And I thought seeing that source code, seeing all those factors, having that kind of little bit of validation again into some of these fundamentals was to me just a really, I don't know, nice reminder to the community of like the complexity of the game that is being played. I feel like though with that, we're, we're coming up on the end of the episode. I feel like maybe just one kind of quicker final question for the audience. So we discussed how this year, 2023, was one of the more turbulent years that we've seen within search. So looking ahead, 2024, how are you feeling? Do you think we're going to see a continuation of this turbulence and a continuation of the pace and the volatility of the space that we're operating in? Or do you feel like things are going to come back down and you know the dust will settle a little bit more? Like, What expectation would you give to the listeners of what to anticipate in 2024? Yeah, I think it's a very confusing time for SEO. I have been saying this, but I think that the last big shakeup was the panda and penguin eras. You know, like this is a decade ago where content mills, again, were a lot more basic than they are today, where they were essentially like Mad Lib article spinners was what they were called before natural language generation, before LLM, right? And so it's not to say that this hasn't been happening. It just happened, you know, in a lot more of a rapid fashion lately. And I think the crazy part about it is that it's actually decent this time around, which is like the most uh, concerning part of the equation. But yeah, you know, Penguin and Panda links and, you know, thin content were 
the big smackdown that happened, you know, around 2010, 11, 12. And I think we've seen it happen in the last year. Not obviously Panda and Penguin, but this, we'll call it helpful content and AI like revolution. And, you know, Google, I think, is saying, well, holy crap, this is a potential existential threat. They've been obviously well positioned. You know, they have YouTube. They've had their own AI deep learning models that they just hadn't felt were ready for the prime time. And, you know, I think they were forced to put them out on display with the whole open AI, you know, Bing thing that's been going on. And I think 2024 is going to look just as turbulent. I think we're going to see Google really get out of their comfort zone and they've already been out of their comfort zone i would say this for the majority of this year which is why you kind of run around seeing a lot of updates from seo influencers being mildly to largely disgruntled by you know all the craziness that's going on right people hacking into harvard people spamming google groups like you know all these like crazy things are happening because Google has dialed some knobs up and dialed some knobs down. And, you know, that really hasn't happened in a very significant manner for a very long time. And so I think that, you know, the common themes that I'm looking at when it comes to 2024 is video, you know, how important will video be? How important will making your own videos be, right? As in relation to just taking a YouTube and, you know, video that somebody else created and embedding it on your site or using it as part of your content, you know, like, I think that that's like one really interesting bucket. I think authenticity, authorship, and like legitimacy is a whole other bucket. And I actually think that we're going to tackle that not from a Google perspective per se, but from a social media perspective, you know, like there's obviously blockchain is is sort of like this weird thing that's on the side that still is looking for important use cases in the real world outside of fraud and decentralized like store of value. But I kind of see social media, blockchain, identity, authorship, legitimacy, sort of all wrapped up in one weird little like bucket. And, you know, I LinkedIn's already doing it a bit with the whole clear like verification thing, you know, Twitter or X has been trying to dabble with Web3 here or there, same with Meta or Facebook and you know, same with Reddit, right? Like they, they had their whole avatars, NFT like thing themselves. And I really think that we're going to see social media turn up the like social like proof or identity component where you have to like send in a passport or driver's license and you know you have an authenticated account that you can then do things with because they want to make sure that you know should there be repercussions or things that you know you incite within forums and discussions that you know there is a legitimate person to be held accountable and, and all of that. So I actually think that maybe social media goes and fixes 
a lot of the authenticity problems. And as a result, Google ends up leaning more into some interweaving of, I think, like gravatars from like WordPress is like, you know, sort of this like thing where it's like maybe that concept will come back and, you know, maybe that's powered by some blockchain that we could care less about. It just, we know the technology is there and it's like this use case where like, oh yeah, of course we would sign that we created this to prove that it's authentic and legitimate. You know, who cares if it's on, you know, this blockchain versus that blockchain. So I think that that as a bucket is is like an interesting theme as we walk into 2024. And then I would say the last bit is really user engagement signal, right? I think that in the past you did a search for, you know, 10, like a topic and you got 10 blue links, all basically mirroring the same topic. Now you do a search for a topic and maybe you get three blue links and two, you know, rich snippets and five interesting perspectives that, you know, Google has, has drummed up. And so I think that Google has really dialed down or maybe up depending on you know how you want to look at it but down like the sort of like okay let's give very like similar like SERPs and up the you know like let's give people a variety of things to like select from and I kind of see that as a trend that you know maybe in today's day and age we get five blue links that match you know target topic Maybe in 2024, 2025, we're looking at four, three, two, you know, something like that. So we're already down, you know, like a lot of blue links (laughs) and, you know, we're going to be even it's like, you know, Google does do the full release of SGE in its current form. Well, they're probably saying that that's going to be the answer that they're highly confident that you want. And then you can imagine, right, what's Google going to think? Well, with the rest of the real estate that is not ads and not featured snippets and stuff, Google's going to say, well, we gave them the best answer that we think exists. But here is a variety of other perspectives that you might care about, right? So I think the inclusion of SGE drives down more like loss of like real estate dedicated to actually answering the topic and drives up the turbulence that Google is wanting to introduce to the algorithm to surface interesting, new, and oftentimes, you know, like just very fresh takes on topics also known as like, you know, hidden gems and and that kind of stuff. So I really think that that's a big implication of SGE is that Google basically saying, okay, we know we're going to just formulate the best answer for them. And the rest of the blue links, like, you know, let's give people interesting things that they didn't maybe know that they wanted. And therefore, perhaps entering the first era of search engine of like thought leadership, right, where you can rank and do rank well for providing an interesting perspective on a topic that, you know, a lot of people are engaging with. Yeah, it's as you're describing that, I feel like uh, an interesting kind of throwback and I guess theme to this this conversation is how you're describing kind of authenticity 
and that quality to me, it was reminding me of like Google's rise and where they came from was using backlinks as this system to surface like, okay, it's not just how often did someone say this word of relevance, but what's the significance and like the popularity almost of the content that should be surfaced. And to me, like that perspective on authenticity and those other potential like signals that we could see the rise to is really like new tools surfacing or like targeted towards that same objective of like what is the most meaningful or like what is the most important content that we can serve and as we're seeing the web and content and it's there's more and more content out there and with the rise of these various LLMs, AI tools, we're just anticipating that that pace and that velocity continues. So then the measures and the tools of surfacing out what is the most significant that should be shown. And to me, it really is bringing it back around of what was the initial kind of objective behind these links. And now we just have more tools or more ways to surface that out. But I completely agree I think that this upcoming year is going to be just as turbulent. I think one of the biggest like recommendations that I can give to SEOs, whether it's career advice or even just how to, you know, perform well in your current role is that ability to adapt. And we've been in a space that constantly evolves. The pace is going to get even faster. So I think the more comfortable you can be with adapting and not being hard stuck in your ways as an SEO, the better chance it's going to give you to keep being relevant, to keep succeeding, and ultimately to keep progressing your career in our space. So with that, that wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. As always, thanks to Bernard Wong, co-founder of ClearScope, for joining us today. Be sure to check out clearscope.com as well as check out Bernard, if you're not familiar with him, you can find links in our show notes if you didn't have a chance to take them down. Also, you can find contact information from Bernard on Twitter. His handle is at Bernard Wong. Or also check out the show notes for his LinkedIn profile page. That wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. Okay. Thanks to Tyson Stockton, our guest host. If you'd like to get in touch with Tyson, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Tyson underscore Stockton. Or if your team is interested in SEO consulting or organizational education, you can always head to their company's website, which is previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. 
So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to VoicesOfSearch.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet, and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. 